I'm Marianne Ruggiero, founder of Optima Careers. As a career consultant, I work with people from college age through post-retirement. I help my clients clarify their goals, better understand themselves, and the value they bring to their work. I'm Rita Kakati-Shah. I'm a diversity, inclusion, and career strategist, international speaker, and also the founder of UMA, a company that works with other companies to help them attract, retain, and develop women and minorities in the workforce. The more places you can put your goals up, whether it's on your fridge door, whether it's on a poster and you're writing it down, whether it's on your phone, whether it's on social media, whatever it is, it's a way of holding you accountable. This is Secrets of Wealthy Women from the Wall Street Journal, helping women empower themselves financially. Now, Veronica Dagger. It's the end of the year and it's a time when a lot of people start reflecting, especially about their careers. They're thinking about how did my career go this year, what could I achieve next year, and how can I finally land my dream job? So I'd like to start out with that piece of self-reflection. Is it like on social media in that it's hard not to compare yourself to your friends and your peers when you see all their different pictures and achievements out there, but we sometimes compare ourselves anyway? Should we do that? I would say it is in part a good thing because you need to know where you stand competitively in the marketplace. But at the same time, if you're not also intrinsically motivated and have a sense of who you are, who you want to become, then that might come back at you in a negative way. So I would suggest people look at it both ways so they have a full view. I'm always a big believer of having checklists um, in your own head, as well as written down, where you can look at where you put yourself at the start of the year. Have you accomplished some of those things, all of those things? Where were you looking to go? Um, so me personally, as an example, um, I wanted to open up different um, offices for my company around the world and you know, we've succeeded in doing that. So um, that's, for me, a measure of success. But it's also seen the passion in the folks that we're helping return to the workforce and seeing companies and managers change their ethos and how they um, promote diversity internally as well. It can be difficult when you see friends and coworkers getting the raises and getting promotion and you don't get them. How do you cope with those feelings of perhaps jealousy or envy? Well, I often suggest that you look to yourself. That's what you can control. So your response isn't so much, why did they get what they wanted to accomplish? But the question really is, what do I need to do to move myself forward? And I think many women in particular don't understand how to socialize their goals, how to market and promote their accomplishments and develop sponsors. Yes, it's very natural for us to do that. And I think when you're going into the workforce, you're already, you're already comparing yourself against others. But don't let it get you down. It is natural to think, oh, that person got the promotion. Why, why not me? But use it as a sign of reflection. Is there something you could have worked on? Is there something you can improve on for next time round? Get that feedback from your manager, from your colleagues. Find out what it was. And, you know, sometimes it's time to move on and look at different opportunities as well. So is that how we know we're on track through getting that feedback? Because I'm just trying to get a, more of a sense of what metrics should we use? How do we measure whether we're on track or not? Is that even possible in something like a career that's a bit abstract? Oh, absolutely. I think there are some key career challenges by decade, and though we don't all go through life on a schedule. Right. <laughs> but there are some markers. So if you're in your 20s, for example, there are really three questions you want to be able to answer. One is, what should I specialize in? Because the market rewards specialization. Second is, is there any place where I can work where there's no office politics? <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> and uh, by the, your response, we all know that the answer is no. 
And the third question is, should I take a job just for the money? And in the ideal world, the answer to that would also be no. Because often, early in career, a premium might indicate a dead-end job, the boss from hell, and uh, might be a, a kind of a lost leader. So there's a reason, mm. not just you. <laughs> there might be another reason why they're paying a premium. So you have to be huh. a little skeptical. Wow. Okay, so that's 20s. What about 30s? So in your 20s, I'm putting the emphasis on competence, being really good at something, offering a specialization. You should continue to build skills in that area. But in your 30s, then it becomes not just what you know, but who you know. And that's why in your life, we often establish roots in our life. We get married and have children in our 30s frequently, uh, and if that's your choice of lifestyle. But at the same time, you establish roots in your career, so you choose an industry. And the industry is necessary because you have to work in an ecosystem and develop relationships. Relationships building focused internally is called office politics. Relationship building focused externally is called networking. I see. So we shouldn't necessarily turn our nose up at office politics when we hear that phrase. Exactly. It's just code for exactly. you need internal network. Just cr- put a little cross sign in the street mm-hmm. sign that says stop. The bottom 10%, the ugly part of politics, it will exist. There's some element of it. But that should not deter you. You have to break through those kinds of mental barriers and embrace the part of it that is really to your benefit and makes working a joy, quite frankly. And in the 40s, do you have... Well, in the 40s, yes, it's a very difficult time because often you might have young children to be responsible for. Your partner is wondering where you've been for the last 10 years. (laughs) You have a lot of financial demand, so it's a very brutal decade. I always feel the most sorry for my 40-something clients. There where you talk not just about what you know but who you know, but now it's really the kind of experiences you've collected. How did you respond and operate in the post-economic recession? Have you lived and worked overseas? Did you take on some risky assignment that produced visibility for you? So it's really picking and choosing and creating a portfolio of experiences that can really distinguish you. You also specialize in helping women connect or helping people connect their values to their career goals. Can you speak a little bit about the importance of values when you're trying to figure out what your career is? Like, how do you know what role those values play in your career decision? Take, for example, if one of the things that motivates me is honor. Uh, That often translates to being very loyal, which also translates to being slow to quit a job or quit an, an oppor- or say no to an opportunity that you would otherwise uh, want to do. So you have to translate and say, okay, so loyalty means being loyal to my peers, being loyal to a code of ethics. Maybe it means um, developing my character. So if you're working on integrity, the question is, do you color or shade information to make yourself look good? Or are you providing information and giving credit where credit is due? So how do you figure out what those values are for you? Oh, there's so many great inventories yeah. online. Thank God for the Internet. So I would say you can find any list, whether it's 30 or 50, or, but get a list of values. I also highly recommend um, Stephen Reese's book called Who Am I? You take this little instrument, just answer the questions asked, and he'll be able to tell you which of those things are that you need more of to feel satisfied. So you, some people may need more power to feel satisfied, and that could look like achievement, competence, or influence. 
I often find 40-somethings, by the way, they get bored. Uh, they feel stuck. It's because they've overemphasized their skills and underemphasized influence. It's back to relationships matter as much as results, if not more. Interesting. Rita, you help women get back into the workforce who have taken a break after caregiving. How does that play into the values conversation with your clients? So when you've taken time off for whatever reason, um, whether it's for looking after your children, elderly care, coming back from the military, for example, there are significant skills that you've picked up in your life. Um, I give um, women the example all the time that have taken some time off. And I said, OK, well, give me a list of things that you've been up to in the last couple of years, the last five years, 10 years, however long it's been. Quite often they look at me and say, well, nothing. And I said, well, what does nothing mean? Um, and then, then we, we kind of delve deeper. And then, you know, some of them have done voluntary work at the schools, for example. And there is a significant amount of skills you can pick up from that, whether it's volunteering, um, looking after the budget, organising events, um, building up the treasury or um, meeting and booking speakers, for example, you are doing real life things that are completely transferable back to the workforce. I want to talk a little bit more about motherhood because I think it's still not totally culturally acceptable for a woman to say, I want to prioritize my career over my family. And I'm just wondering, what advice would you give to women who are grappling with this decision on what to prioritize and also grappling with what other people's perceived judgments of their choice will be. I'm not saying there's a right answer in this. It's very personal. But, like, how do you not get affected by those judging eyes that are sometimes out there? So it's the judging eyes that really define your attitude when you are thinking about the next step in your journey. Um, a lot, this hits you in confidence. When you develop self-doubt because you think, oh, can I even do this again? That's the first thing. Secondly, you might have family or your culture that just looks down on you if you happen to be a mother and you're not always just with your children. Even if they're at school and you're just not do engaging yourself during the day, it's, you still look down upon. So I tell people all the time that it's really um, upon you as an individual. What is the reason for you thinking about going back to work or not going back to work? That is a personal decision, but it needs to come from you. Secondly, whatever that decision is, make sure you have a support network around you. This could be family. This could be your friends. It could be your spouse. It could be extended family. It could even be your kids as they get older. But it has to be a support network to help you through the situation. Well, I agree that the support network is mission critical. For my clients who are either single or have significant relationships and partners and maybe even children in life, if career is very important to them and they're in it 100% and they have very aggressive jobs, they tend to make it work uh, when they do make it work for a number of key things. And one is very much they tend to surround themselves with go-up people, not all the people who are judging them, telling them they should have stayed home. They find people socially and operationally who have a common value system. Coming up, our career coaches explain how to share your goals at work, cultivate sponsors, and get paid more. This message is brought to you by Nuveen. Nuveen has provided investment excellence for 125 years. A lot has changed, but one thing that remains constant, including the different types of durable income in portfolios, can help investors meet their goals. 
With expertise across income and alternatives, Nuveen continues to expand its capabilities while maintaining its legacy as a leading investment manager. Visit Nuveen.com to learn more. Investing involves risk. Loss of principal is possible. You're listening to Secrets of Wealthy Women from The Wall Street Journal. So now that we have a sense of our values, how do we go about setting smart career goals? Like how specific do we get? How, you know, do we write down our goals? Yes, (laughs) we definitely write down our goals. We write them because they help us clarify exactly what we're thinking and what we're trying to accomplish. We do that so that we can convey a more clear sense of what we're trying to do and engage others in the process. We write them down because that in itself builds confidence because you, if you have a good sense of what you're trying to accomplish, you're able to articulate that to other people, you've, by definition, increased your chances of success. Goals are personal, but there's a school of thought that says if you post a goal on a public forum like LinkedIn, it'll make you more likely to stick to it because other people will make you accountable. Should women do that? I think it does. I think um, the more places you can put your goals up, whether it's on your fridge door, whether it's on a poster and you're writing it down, whether it's on your phone, whether it's on social media, whatever it is, it's a way of holding you accountable. What stops us from achieving goals? A, they could be unrealistic. You could be um, having too many out there. So you want to be first thinking about before you put these goals out, because now the world is watching, what are the goals which ones can I prioritize? What's realistic I'm going to get done and in what time frame? And put yourself realistic barriers and time frames in terms of how you're going to achieve it. Don't think, okay, I'm going to, I've always wanted to go to the moon. I'm going to, I'm going to get there. I think that's kind of unrealistic for me personally where I am, but it might be more realistically if I ended up doing a flight program for like 10, 15, 20 years, whatnot. So it really depends on what is it you're trying to achieve How are you going to get there? What are the little steps? And break them down. But I think absolutely you should be sharing your goals because that's really one way of getting there. On the podcast, we recently talked about debt and how to set concrete goals to manage your money. But money is very tangible, right? So if you say bring your lunch a few times a week, you can have small, easy wins and save some money. I'm wondering how do we do that with career goals? Like what are some easy wins? So for my clients, a lot of the time it's, building up relationships for the first time with with companies, um, with um, with anyone who's working in the company for the first time. And it's each little step. So you might set yourself a goal of, you know what, I'm going to reach out to 10 people today or in the, this week um, in the industry that I want to return to. And it could be banking, say finance. And um, if at least two of them respond back to me, I'm going to, that's a pat on the back. And if I can actually go out and have a coffee or meet someone, then that, that's, that's something I've attained. And I think I do deserve to get a, get, you know, change my blazer. So I've got something else I can wear when I go for my interviews. If you're already in the workforce and you're successfully thinking, well, how do I, I'm where I am. I might be a middle manager right now. And I want, really want to get to senior le- leadership level. What do I do? One of your goals is to go and find an internal sponsor, somebody who can champion you. That could be your first goal, having a good conversation. You might meet three or four people that are duds, so to speak. The folks that you think, ah, okay, great. Um, nice going out for a drink with or having a coffee, but is this person really going to help me with my career and how am I helping them back? But then you meet, might meet that one person who's willing to say, you know what? I'm going to go and meet, um, you know, the, the senior person in, in the firm. Why don't you come along? I love your ideas. Why don't you present them? You might meet that one person, but you only do that by trying and then you hold yourself accountable and then you can reward yourself. 
I just want to get a quick tip from each of you on how we find those sponsors. I know we talked a little bit about it before, but can you give us the tip on how do we figure out who to ask? So um, I tell a lot of people, look for somebody who is in the area that you're looking to progress into. If you're looking to go into the C-suite, if you're looking to go into the boardroom, if you're looking to just get into senior leadership, who is already doing something that you would ultimately picture yourself doing? And start seeing who's there that you might have met at a networking event, at an internal um, work forum. Ask these folks, pick, pick a few of them. And just say, I'd love to find out a little bit about your role. And, but find a connection point. Don't just sort of, you know, approach them. So it's worth their while as well. And try and just get that meeting, a quick coffee with them. And say, hey, I've been working on this project. I noticed you're doing that. I'd love to get a, you know, some time in your calendar just to chat about it. And then you find out from them, uh, could they be an advocate? Do they understand? What are they doing? Could they potentially help you? Um, and then you can get further along that discussion when you've built your relationship then you can ask them and you make that ask and say, hi, I, you know, thank you so much for your support. I love the information. Will you um, not just be my mentor, but will you champion me internally and help me get to that next level? And I think I would, if I were to pick anyone in this company to help me do it, I'd pick you. So it's a point of flattery. You're giving them a reason to help you out and sort of a reason why they can't say no. <laughs> I often suggest that you decode the informal power structure to understand with whom you have aligned interests, because sponsors are more readily likely to adopt you if you have aligned interests. Uh, they may include affinity groups, other women, other moms, other LGBTQ whatever it is, but you find those people, but also overlap that with where they sit in the power structure. So you're both strategic as well as relationship oriented. So much of this, though, seems to me that it requires confidence, whether it's asking for that meeting or asking for that promotion. How can we boost our confidence at work? So I think the queen of confidence is a woman by the name of Sheila Hankin, who's written a wonderful book called Complete Confidence. Sometimes our confidence is rooted in what I might refer to as mental or therapeutic issues. So if you want to work at the roots of a lack of confidence, I definitely recommend Sheila Hankin. When we're just trying to get through the day and muster up the confidence, I always say to people, when you have a goal, the next most important thing is to say, how much effort am I willing to make to accomplish that goal? Hmm. That's the real test of whether or not it's really a it's goal or is it just a dream, a wish, an yeah. aspiration, but you're not really willing to put any heft behind it. Yeah. Uh, I had a client once who said what got her over the hump was she could either be f afraid of trying or face the person she had become by having not done anything. Wow. <laughs> and so some, you, have, you have to fight the internal demons. But when you get past that, then I have my confidence circle, which is a completely extrinsic perspective. So if I'm coming here for a podcast or if I'm doing a presentation, I have my little confidence circle. So what do I do? First of all, the first 24 hours before the event, I only speak to go up people. Second thing, I make sure I'm prepared. In fact, over-prepared. Even if I never use my notes, it has helped prepare me. I get a manicure. <laughs> I have my power outfit. I have my power boots. So I do those things that are external that kind of boost me up and just get me prepared to go in and do battle. I'm highly introverted, so it, it takes a lot of energy for me to put all of this out there. So I also know make no appointments this afternoon so that I don't have to interact with anybody. I can go into my shell, quiet down, re-energize, and then go back home. Nice. 
What about skills, right? Um, Rita, you had mentioned before some women who volunteer during their break to build up skills. And I'm just wondering, is that, um, you know, is that good advice across the board in terms of volunteering in order to build up a skill that you may not get in the workplace that you're hoping to eventually use in the workplace? Because some people would argue, well, it's better to just try to be a freelancer and get paid for the work you're doing instead of volunteering. There's so many other skills, you know, reading, staying in touch with the industry, um, listening to podcasts, um, what what is going on in the industry, just sort of, um, you know, being abreast of publications, staying, again, I go back to LinkedIn again, what are your contacts up to? What, um, who, the person whose job you want, or you're trying to get into a certain role, what, what is on their resume? What do they have that you don't yet have? That is a skill that you can potentially pursue. And it could be getting further education, getting something to think, okay, what's been going on in the last five years or so? okay, I don't have that, and oh, social media, digital media, what is digital? You know, and getting into that space again, because it could be very daunting. Or is it that you've been so abreast of what's going on that you know everything and you're ready just to step back in? It's very different, and it really needs to be taken in context of how long the person's taken off and what they're thinking of doing. Marion, what activities outside of work would help us further our careers? You know, there's so many different professional associations for women, for example. Uh, yes, Building skills and finding mechanisms for those skills outside of your company, I think, is almost always a good idea. So I would often suggest that you should be spending up to 20% of your time over the course of a year, whether it's by week or by month or by quarter, but up to 20% of your time invested in the future. That might be networking, developing your relationship portfolio, it might be uh, learning uh, new skills in the digital arena, uh, studying up on AI and developing a point of view on its implications in your industry. You need to be making yourself relevant today. That's your 80% of the time. <laughs> and also preparing for the future, and that's up to 20% of your time. Less than 10% is probably not going to be enough in terms of being competitive in the market. Are we also putting a timeline or a deadline on our learning and also our goals? Like, do we want to set, you know, I'm setting a big goal for the year, but by April, I want to have at least half of that goal accomplished. Whatever oh, that might definitely. Be. Break it down so that you have a daily to do. Um, break it down into a habit. If you can create your own infrastructure or a system so that you're automatically doing this as part of your day-to-day -day ritual, just like eating breakfast and putting the kids to bed at night, uh, to do a little something every day. And how do we evaluate our progress throughout? Well, I use a relationship portfolio analysis that's not too dissimilar from a financial analysis, looking at your proportion of cash, bonds, stock, et cetera, but looking at how your relationships are developing and how mature they are and how reciprocal they are. So are you more invested in some people and you're not getting the return? Are there people in your relationship portfolio that have fallen stagnant? Maybe they need to be weeded out. Are there people missing from your portfolio? Let me go get find one and put it in. And I put numbers on this. So I do work with clients, and we measure their relationship portfolio and score it on a year-to-year -year basis. Wow. Uh, so there's good news here in that switching jobs and changing careers is pretty normal, right? So I'm just wondering what advice do you have for people who want to do something different but have no idea what they want to do next? 
So I think a lot of it is passion driven these days. What is uh, something that you feel very strongly about? What drives you? I mean, you're thinking of doing something different. Um, what's the motivation for that? Is it because you just don't like having a boss? Is it because you want to work your own hours? Is it because you've always thought of doing something and making an impact, an impact or changing the world and that's your driving force? And then break that down into, okay, what is it? What direction shall I go in? Maybe try a couple of things out. I have um, a lot of uh, my clients initially think about um, some of the things they're most interested in, what drives them in the world, and then we narrow those down. What is something, what are you trying to do with these? Is it trying to, you're trying to make a living for yourself? something to retire on? Is it something that is going to be a project-driven thing that is a side side income? Or is this something that you really, really want to get out there and travel the world and make a difference? And how does that fit into your lifestyle and the hours you can give it as well? So it's very much about thinking about what is that why and what is that passion driving you? Interesting. Uh, this, is, this has been fantastic. Um, what We've covered a lot. What else should we be asking you or talking about that we haven't spoken about? Money. Money. How to get paid more. So, yes, yes, yes. So, Veronica. Uh, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Yes, um, huge. How do we get paid more, ladies? You have to ask. You have to find the courage to ask. And that courage is based, I think, in data. Get information. Do research. Talk to recruiters. I can't tell you how many people think that they don't want to talk to recruiters. Well, you may not need a recruiter to find a job. I hope that's the case. But help recruiters be successful, give them candidates that they can fill their jobs with, and find out information about your job. Make friends with human resources instead of avoiding them. Try to get them to tell you what is the going rate, what is the range, what is the job uh, classification system. Become educated and learn all you can. And never be the first person to mention a number. Absolutely. I would 100% agree with Mariana said. I would say that, yeah, when you're going in to a job interview or your um, interview review and it's time to discuss what's going to happen in next bonuses, what's happening next year, you have that bracket in your head. Do your research. You know, technically, you're not supposed to talk about it internally, but you do have inklings of what's going on and there is publicly available data too. Use that information before you're going in there and then you just sort of talk about it. It's okay, my salary's been stagnant for a little while. Um, I've noticed others in the group are starting to get rises. You know, when is my due? And this is, the, this is the range. I've done my research. I've made it easier for you. This is what I'm thinking in terms of what I'm producing, my expectations for the upcoming year. This is where I think my, my range would be and I'd be happy with that. And just mention it to them. Similarly, um, and this is a different aspect, if you are going back in time and you're coming back from a career break, you kind of think, oh, I'm just grateful to get a job in the first place. Whatever they pay me, I, I can do this for free. I think, A, no, don't do it for free. But secondly, you've got to think about what is your level of experience when you're going back in. Sometimes you think, I might have been, been paid X um, two or three years ago. If I were to walk in to that same role, could I pick up where I left off or do an little bit of a help in hand, meaning do I need some extra help with skills or training or something like that? That could be your response in terms of what salary to accept if going back to a similar role. And then you get back into the system again, you perform, you set your goals, you outperform the goals, and then you sit with your manager and you, you structure it and think, okay, this is, I've been doing this, I should be up for a rise now. And you, and you ask. I'd like to make a point though about what women need to do differently to get paid properly. Women need sponsors who will influence the boss yeah. to see the wisdom of paying you the market rate. You cannot do it on your own. 
Catalyst has done a study uh, called The Myth of the Ideal Worker and talks very specifically about career strategies and advancement. So you need to think about long before that review conversation and putting your range on the table, actually you need to take that information and socialize it with all of your sponsors during the course of the year so that they, with your boss in the compensation meeting, will be able to say, yes, compared to all the people in the group, this is the person that we want to be sure we take care of this year. So you want to know who's on the comp committee, who are the people making the decision, who are the people you know who know those decision makers. Are you marketing and promoting your accomplishments and your team's accomplishments so that when they talk about the higher performers being paid higher in the range, you're at the top of the list? Time now for your secrets. I'm Marianne Ruggiero, and I'm the founder of Optimote Careers, and my money secret is no debt. I do everything I can to pay my bills on time, including any kind of digital reminder, anything, any app that will tell me you have 10 more days to go, five more days to go, and I try only to use the American Express card because you have to pay them on time. I'm Rita Kakati Shah. I'm the founder of UMA, and my money secret is that every year we give a percentage of our financial earnings that we've made um, at UMA to supporting women survivors of domestic violence, a cause very close to our hearts. Be sure to check out more episodes of Secrets of Wealthy Women on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. I'm Veronica Dagger. Thanks for listening. Zscaler extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines trained by 500 trillion daily signals to prevent ransomware and AI attacks that target business. Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI. Learn more at zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.